Welcome into the third shift podcast coming at you from a hotel in suburban outer Chicago, I guess. Is it really suburban Chicago? Uh, we're in Indiana, so... <laughs> well, it's still uh, outer it's, Chicago, yeah. though, right? We can probably see the border from here. Uh, we went to old Chicago That does for dinner. That doesn't mean we're, we're yeah. close to Chicago. Lo- true. Local little pizza place. <laughs> Maybe yeah, we've heard of it. We'd heard good things. We heard that that was a Chicago pizza spot that you needed to be at. Spot, yeah. Better than Giordano's, you think? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I would go that far. It's, uh, it's a tough one. Real toss-up. But we, uh, we are coming to you after Nebraska's 31-27 to loss to Purdue on Saturday. A loss that looked familiar if you've watched any game this season. Uh, particularly if you watch ones in which Nebraska had double-digit leads and then proceeded not to continue scoring while the other team started scoring, and then Nebraska ended up losing late. So I, uh, I'm just going to throw this over to either one of you. BC looks like he's most excited to talk right now. <laughs> Do I? Uh, so we'll, we'll go with Brian. Brian, what, what did you see today? What are your thoughts coming out of yet another loss for Nebraska? Well, I guess this edition... The first thing I come to is when the second quarter, actually. It's not the final drive, even though a backup to a backup quarterback led a touchdown drive against you to win the game. It's actually the part where Nebraska's up 10 nothing, and I think I turned to Bruns at one point and said, Purdue looks completely disinterested, and then how do you lose this, you know, like, man alive? You, there's no way they can blow this game. Purdue is out of it. They want to be put in the coffin. And Nebraska is getting unbelievable field position. I've never seen a stat like this. Nebraska's average field position in the first half was its own 47-yard line. Purdue's was its own 13. And Nebraska was down 14-10 to 10 at the half. The two series that stick out are when it was 10 nothing. Nebraska gets to the 21-yard line. Um... Martinez looks at Spielman the entire way, running down the boundary. Um, there's a safety just lurking, hoping Martinez throws that ball and gives him a Christmas gift, and he does, and gets the pick. Meanwhile, Austin Allen was wide open across the middle, and it was just uh, just a bad throw by Adrian, and Adrian just was uneven most of the game until the fourth quarter. Um you know, and then the next series he couldn't hook up with Conavai Noah. I don't know. Some of it was a throw. Some of it was Noah. You can, I guess you can go back and forth, but it should have been a 47-yard touchdown. And so Nebraska should have been ahead by four scores in that game at one point. Yeah, I mean, Nebraska responded to that interception with Lamar Jackson making a terrific play while falling down on a one-handed interception, basically. And they get the ball back, and like you said – three and out and the third down was missing kind of I know right down the middle of the the pipe yeah there's a few things that keep happening one of them is Nebraska can never put anybody away when they have these chances in games like this they'll get up by 10 or so but they can never they struggle to stretch it to 17 or 21 or whatever it is that would make a team say okay it's not going to be our day the other thing which happened today is Nebraska has this weird knack for giving up like 95-yard-plus touchdown drives that I've never seen in other teams. It's, it's And they did it here at the end of the half today, the 96-yard drive. And then the third thing is there's so many opportunities 
through the last few years where Nebraska's just needed one play on defense to lock up the game. Everybody kind of laughs about the mistakes and, oh, they pulled it out, and they can't do it, and it just keeps happening. These these are like three things that keep happening like Groundhog Day. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Michael Brunt. Hey, uh, you look at kind of the, the, the way that that game broke out for Nebraska with, you know, two good quarters, two bad quarters. Um, I, I still do not understand how Nebraska went into halftime in that game trailing. Like, yeah. in a season of, of just complete head-scratching moments, the fact that Nebraska went into the locker room against Purdue today, trailing, with Purdue getting the ball after halftime, it's just unbelievable. Uh, and, you know, it's... They played really well in spots, and they just looked so bad in spots. And like Brian said, I mean, it, it's kind of the, the rallying cry. We were talking on the drive back from the game today. Like, when, when was the last time that you really remember Nebraska shutting an opponent down, getting a stop when they needed to? I mean, Michigan State, Illinois this year, maybe. I mean, you have to go back significantly farther than that i mean to oregon be, i was thinking oregon in 16 to, to, to yeah, when nebraska's made those kinds of plays it's uh yeah i don't know and, and it's what's especially troubling is that we've talked a lot about you know this game is a big one you know must win game or whatever but you looked at three games that were really big toss-ups for nebraska and one of them that really wasn't even a toss-up that we thought at the start of the season but minnesota Indiana, Purdue. I mean, you flip one, two of those games, the season looks a heck of a lot different, especially when you talk about that Colorado game, another game that Nebraska had an opponent that was begging to be put out of mer- out of their mercy in in the first half, and Nebraska couldn't do it. Um, you know, Purdue in that first half today, I think I leaned over to one of you two and said, you know, if they, they score here, it's over. I mean, the, the, it, that game looked like it was trending very quickly in Nebraska's way and you know that there's plenty of blame to go around I mean I think you can definitely blame play calling you can blame the quarterback play uh, you can blame the defense I mean that there's any direction we could go with this podcast but you know walking off the field today it was just kind of like you know what happened I mean it's just not a you, you you shouldn't be having those kinds of questions this late in the season. I think if you're you're thinking that you're going to be a better team at the end of the season than you were at the start of it. I guess the thing that I keep coming back to is how does Nebraska continue to put themselves in this position? And it become very apparent if it wasn't already that a they're not a very good team, and b they're not a very good or they're not a disciplined team, and c they're not a particularly intelligent team. So those those things combine that they have enough talent. Like this isn't even this isn't really even a talent thing. This is on their inability to, to put people away, to play smart football, to avoid dumb mistakes. I mean another great example from today, Matt Farniak gets a holding Backs Nebraska up to first and 20. Very next play, Adrian Martinez rips off a 16-yard run that puts them back into field goal position at the very least or a very manageable second and three or four, whatever it was, um, 15, 16-yard run. 
the, immediately on second and four, you fumble an exchange between Mills and Martinez. Like, it's just, I don't know in the last two to three years if there is a team in football that has ruined its own ability to win games at the rate that Nebraska has. I mean, it's Mike Williams with the false start or the, you know, lining up incorrectly. It's the false start in overtime against Northwestern. It's all of these different little things, and there's always so many to pick from. And we sit here and we talk about, well, this went wrong and that went wrong and this went wrong. And it just blows my mind because neither Indiana or Purdue have more talent than Nebraska does, and certainly not when Rondale Moore is sitting on the bench and when Elijah Sindelar doesn't start the game and when they're going to their walk-on backup backup quarterback to have to go 80 yards against you. It's inexplicable to me that this is where they're sitting right now, and I try to figure out the how of it, and I, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't think I've ever seen this before. Uh, certainly not this up close, and certainly not with Nebraska, but even just in football. like Nebraska's like the NFL version of the Cleveland Browns right now. And it's a really ugly place for them to be, for the fans, for the coaches, for the players. And I don't think there's any easy way out of it at this point. Yeah. Um, I agree with with. with basically all of that um i mean the frustrating part too is just the the stuff by the goal line i mean darian daniels gets you actually have something like that happen to you mm-hmm. the, you get your big almost a fat guy touchdown which was a joy to watch there's a hell Daniels. of a stiff arm and yeah. juke move by I the love, way that was by far the best moment of the and day. then he's palming the ball holding it yeah, out yeah he was good you thought he might fumble and yeah. all that, but it was it was it was beautiful, and it's too bad he didn't score because Nebraska didn't end up scoring. They, they tried the shovel goal. pass, um, and uh, they had worked on it all week, and they thought it was going to work. And then uh, I think Frost said he basically said Martin make a good read on the RPO on the second down play. They they missed a block on on the first down shovel pass to Wandale, um, and then the RPO was a bad read. And they got down to the one, and then he wanted to. He, he said he wanted to take a two-score lead rather than. Yeah. They did, they basically, they wanted points. Okay, so you have the ball on the two-yard line, and you don't score a touchdown. Um, and the thing that bothered me was they. There's a you know I think it got brought up like the pass on another drive when they're inside the five to Jack Stoll where it's kind of this delayed pass and Jack Stoll's got to turn around, catch the ball, then turn and try to get it. And the guy's got to get a block. And it's a lot going on to get three yards in a compact space. And I know, I'm sure this staff, is they're intelligent. That play has probably worked for them before. But I can't say I love it. And especially when Adrian Martinez in the fourth quarter, his best asset today was, when he's inside the five-yard line, you use your 225 pounds and just blast through their buddy and get a touchdown. And they didn't call that at all on those other two drives inside the five. And think of, I mean, I don't know that uh, Purdue would have stopped that today. Um, and if you if you put those in the end zone, you know, for whatever problems there were, it's a nice little 10-point win maybe. Well, and okay, so... 
they scored their first touchdown. It was Dedrick Mills on like a one-yard, two-yard run. You just described how many plays Dedrick Mills got the ball one out of six plays when they were inside the five-yard line today uh, on other drives. Even if you didn't want to use Adrian Martinez on that quarterback draw, quarterback blast, you still had a running back that you went out and recruited for short yardage situations and then proceeded not to give the ball to. Yeah. I mean, I understand the field goal to go up by two scores. The one that I didn't get is whatever the play calling was in the third quarter when you were down 14 to 10, you settled for a field goal and you were right there on the goal line. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just, that was the one that felt pretty d- defeatist, if any of them did. And the, the play calling that had the Jack Stoll play and then Adrian almost threw the pick in the yeah. end zone. It was just a mess. We need to talk about Adrian. Um, the most concerning play of the day, actually, to me about Adrian, and I'm, in a bit, I'm an Adrian guy. I, I'm not, he, I think he's got great tools in that tool kit, and something's off, but I still think he can be a great player. I'm not going to give up that thought. I know some people have already moved down the road, and I think that's a mistake. I think Adrian Martinez, he's going to have to go fight now because there's some other good quarterbacks in that room, and there's going to be talk now about who's going to be the guy, and he's got to go prove over these next three games that he can be that guy. But the most concerning play of all, and he had a rough game, I think, was actually the play, I think it was the third quarter on the f- fourth and five, when he threw across his body to Spielman. He gets a pass interference call. So Nebraska ends up with a positive on the play. They get the first down and they end up scoring. But you guys saw what I saw. He, had what, he could have ran for 10, 15 yards, yeah. if not more, easy. And instead he takes the risk of throwing the ball. We took too long to just go. It also told me he's just not seeing it right now, yeah. you know, because it's, it's such a – usually like a year ago, his instinct, he just takes off and goes and gets that first down and more. And that – there's something just not quite there. And that play I thought was a big red flag about that. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of red flags today. You had very early in that game the horizontal sort of screen throws that he's thrown into the ground. Uh, their bad throw to JD, the bad throw to Wandale, which turned out to be a, uh, a you know, behind the line throw instead of yes. taking a step and then throwing it, so that way he at least throws it forward, so you're not losing seven yards and taking yourself out of another play where they score. lost yards. They lost like there was like five or six times where they had like second and mm-hmm. four or so, and they lost. They like, made it third and long yeah. on their own. Yeah, that happened a bunch. I mean, you had. Everything involving Jack Stoll today, where he just couldn't get him the ball. He couldn't get him the ball and give him a chance to to make a play. I mean, I, just, I'm with you. I think that Adrian is really good. I I was definitely. I mean, if there's one accusation I'll accept amongst the uh, the idea that the media really touted something, I don't think it was the team. I think. I mean, and I know from my own perspective, I was very high on Adrian Martinez. I mean, I said that this was going to be the best chance in terms of Heisman odds to get him at where he had him because if he had this kind of season I expected, he was going to be even higher the next year. He hasn't had anywhere near that season. He hasn't looked anything like that player other than a brief moment against Illinois. And so um, I still think that that talent's there, but he has happy feet. He, his arm looked weak today. Uh, other than that throw against Noah or throw to Noah, I mean, 
he had some throws where he didn't have that interception. That was a short ball to begin with. I mean, that wasn't getting to J.D. Spielman towards the back of the end zone. Right. That was short to the front of the end zone. Um, I, there was just a lot. I mean, he's, he's had high ball errors the entire season. Um, I don't know what he can fix in a week's time, but I sort of, again, assume that coming off of the bike, getting through the injury, seeing the offense turn the corner, he was going to be put in positions that really lead them out and score a lot today. And they had every opportunity to do that, and they didn't. They ended up with 27 points, and that feels like not enough. Well, they compare the play calling to from from that first half against Indiana with what you saw today. Um, I felt like against Indiana, you saw a little bit looser play call. I mean, I don't know if that's the best word for it, but maybe not the kitchen sink, but they were taking risks. They were being aggressive. And and I don't know that, you know, we, we saw the kind of wrinkle with Chris Hickman out of the backfield, which I thought, you know, it looked okay. They didn't go back to it uh, the rest of the game. Um, but it just didn't feel like there was... They didn't go back to him the rest of the game. Right. It didn't seem like there was kind of that same kind Pace. of crisp snap you know, in, in the first half that we saw against Indiana. So I, that was noticeable to me. Um, you, you were talking about just, you know, Adrian's throwing errors. I mean, even on the last drive, uh, that, that pass over the middle to Noah, you know, was, was way short. I mean, he, there was a little bit of pressure, but not enough that, you know, he shouldn't have been able to complete that throw. Um, but, I mean, you know, it's – you kind of – go back and think about that game. I mean, Nebraska's defense, I mean, it was just one play that you had to make against the third-team quarterback. And, you know... That guy, Aiden O'Connell, had the best throw of the day when he hit Hopkins over Ponus. But but there was no... There was no harassment of a a third-string quarterback. I'm not saying that... I know. Yeah. But but it's... It's kind of to the point now with Nebraska and the way that they're playing this year where five to seven times a game there's going to be a point where you need somebody to step up and just make a play and it feels like right now the expectation maybe among Nebraska's players even is that it's not going to be somebody from Nebraska that's going to step up and make that decisive play I mean that's been the story of Nebraska football for a few years now but it it just feels like the weight of everything is just the, the the confidence, the swagger, everything is just not there. Yeah. Let me let's kick this forward. They're into the bye week. They got three games left. They've got quite a bit of a boulder to move if they're going to make a bowl game. What do you want to see from Nebraska in these final three games? What would I mean, ideally and as realistic as you can make it, how do you want them to, to go about these final three games? I mean, we we haven't even really gotten into the discussion about Chris Hickman and Ramir Johnson, these freshmen that played today but didn't play. I mean, <laughs> Ramir Johnson's snaps seem to be just worthless. If we're talking about the four-game redshirt rule, this is not what anybody envisioned using your freshman. Well, he'll get four games. He's going to get about nine snaps yeah but yeah i mean it's what i want to here's what i want to see and it's i mean i I think this is attainable however i don't know that it's necessarily a step above where they were last year but i think you need to see 
something going into the offseason that feels or looks like measurable progress in these last three games of or improvement or something that you can go into the winter and say, this is how we're going to be better in 2020. Because that was the thing last year that I, I thought that would lead to success this fall is over those last six games, you played better football, you played exciting football, you played winning football. And even when you didn't win, you, you played competitive football. Ohio State and Iowa. Yeah. And that's where, when, when you juxtapose those last six games last year with what we've seen through the first three quarters of the season this year, is, is you're not seeing any, nothing has been built on the last game that we saw in Nebraska in 2018. Like, when they walked off the field at Kinnick Stadium, I don't know that we've seen measurable progress from that moment. And that's, I think, what's the most frustrating thing for Nebraska fans is, yeah, we you, you can take a a longer-term rebuild than maybe what you thought was going to be as long as there's measurable progress. But it, it feels like, at best, you're spinning your tires, probably taking a step back right now. So I, I think over those last three games, you, you definitely got to beat Maryland. Um, there's no question about that, but something that you can do, whether it's young guys stepping up and playing well, whether it's, you know, your kind of guys that you're going to build around over the next couple of years playing better, there, there has to be something that you can look at over these last three games and say, okay, as, as maybe as lousy and inconsistent as we were through the first three quarters of the season, this is what we can build on going into 2020 where you have a very manageable schedule right out of the gates. You've got a lot of should have a lot of experience coming back. That's what you need to see. That's why today, though, was such a killer game. Yeah. Because it puts them behind the eight ball to probably not make a bowl if you are if you wanted to bet odds right now. They're going to have to knock off Iowa or Wisconsin. And they can't. It's possible. It can be done. I think Iowa in particular, that's possible. Um, but that was so huge to be sitting five and four right now as opposed to four and five with this thought like okay they can at least get to six wins with maryland and then you get these practices and then you play a bowl team you can maybe beat and and some young guys playing that bowl game and there's this there's this good feeling into 2020 and now that's all in jeopardy because of today because you couldn't finish the deal against a bad beaten up purdue team but to your question about going forward I, I take it back to the QB. I think what made us feel good about this team a lot of last year was Adrian Martinez. Yeah. It was this thought like, well, they got that. They've got one of the best players in the country at that position. And it everything is kind of shook by the fact that that's completely disappeared right now. Like that's, he's not, he's just not that guy at this moment. And the stuff around him isn't helping him all the time. Um, so I want to see that guy like show up ready to fight these last three games. You know, he hadn't put in his defense today. He hadn't played in four weeks. Um, we don't know in particular what Vedral's situation was, and it should have been asked more. I'll take the blame. That should have been asked more if Vedral was really available today. Um, cause he was dinged up too. And maybe it had to be Martinez all game. He said on Tuesday, when Adrian said that he could play, Federal said that he would be able to play this weekend. Too. Okay, well, so at that, least early in the week. I was under that impression too that he was fine. Yeah. 
I don't think it was a situation where they didn't have him at their disposal. I think they chose the stable page. And I don't know that, but that's what I think. And in defense of that decision, Adrian balled out in the fourth quarter. He start, I mean, he did find his game late, but he needs to take that and kind of that guy we saw like in the second half against Illinois. And he's got to be that guy uh, these last few games. And I don't know what the defense, I just don't know what, I don't know what they hang their hat on right now. That's the problem. I don't, I don't, there's nothing I feel real confident about with them. Um, like they're Jekyll and Hyde too. Like I compared them to like, a, if you had a bad relationship with a girlfriend or boyfriend where they can charm you one day and then tick you off the next, that's kind of what they were like today. They played two good quarters. And then there's two terrible quarters. It, it, it's it's just hard to. I don't know what the answers there are far, as far as improvement are specifically. It's hard too on the defense too because if, if you're talking about you know what, which young guys can you feel good about going into next year? I None. Mean, that's a really veteran group. Yeah. That's not playing good football right now, and you're not seeing. I mean, Garrett Nelson worked in there a little bit. Caleb Tanner a little bit. It was interesting how little Nelson played today compared to what he did against Indiana. Yeah, I think th- I think they went a lot more with Doman. Yeah, than they did against Indiana, which I mean that's its own issue too. But that I mean that's I mean you're going to have some guys coming back next year on that group, but you're going to need a lot of guys to step up too who probably aren't going to see playing time over the last three games, which. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's offensively, I think, is where you're going to have to get the good feelings over, over those last three games. Well, and so that's kind of where I'm at with it, too. We talked the last time they went into a bye about they had to find these identity run plays, the things that they did well. Go look at the last two games. They, I mean, they ran the ball well with their quarterbacks against Indiana. They used Wandale Robinson a lot, but he wasn't particularly efficient. He was bad today in the situations they were putting them in. I mean, they've kind of regressed running the ball with their running backs throughout the season. I'm very curious what is going on in that regard. Like, I don't I don't understand the usage of Mills. I don't know what he's there for if you're not going to use him in short yardage situations. If you're not going to use him to, to get downhill for you. Like, he doesn't – it's not that he can't line up for you and you run your spread out and then you throw him the ball and you try to get him behind Noah and Warner. That's fine. Like, every now and then, that's great. Why not also just get him the damn ball and let him go forward? Like, I, there's so much I just don't understand about what it is that they're trying to accomplish with their offense. And I understand that they want to attack spacing in the field. But you can't run six straight plays going east and west. Especially when the defense comes out in the second half and they were all over every outside run you had until your quarterback kept the ball. Every single one. They can't run inside. I mean, that's the, that's the truth. I, I think some of this discussion is at some point we just have to acknowledge either Nebraska can't run inside, we can't talk about their defense because their entire interior of the linebacker group makes them terrible against the run and horrible against the pass. They're just a horribly flawed team. But so are so many other teams that they play. Colorado sucked. 
Indiana isn't that good. They could have beaten that team. Purdue was 2-6 and six coming into this game, laid down and basically said, here, take it. And Nebraska laid back down and said, no, you take it. Like, I, I don't want to talk about the fact that Nebraska has flaws because they have to get past some of that. It's just a, I don't know. Well, I think they can't. That's why I think we're talking about it. Like, well, you know I, what I mean? Like yes, that's, that's, I get that to a point. But that opens up a whole new discussion. How the hell did you regress this badly? Right. In your own season, nonetheless. They don't even look like the team that played Northern Illinois. So there's, there's just more questions and answers at this point. And, I mean, some of the simple things, and like you said, you want the good feelings to come out of these last three weeks. This offense which looked so good at the end of last year at times, has been just missing for far too much of this season. And I guess I'm at this point the one thing I'd like to see them do, because I don't think they're going to win two games, is to at least play better offensive football. It might give themselves more of a chance against a team like Iowa. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's hard. I, don't, I get tired of the whole culture thing. Thing. But I, I do think losing losing becomes contagious, and it's really hard to shake. I say this as somebody <laughs> who's followed the Minnesota pro sports teams for a long time, and Schaefer might know what I'm talking about. There's sort of a fog of defeat that hangs over somebody like the Vikings or the Browns. The Vikings have, have good seasons, but there's this feeling like it's not going to work out in the end. And there's certain areas where this there, it, it's kind of this cloud that covers it. And it has found Nebraska football. And it's a very real thing where there's it's, with, it's permeated. It's within the fan base. It's within the team where in games like today, you, it, you just expect it to go the wrong way. Right. And I do not – and – it takes some special kids that they're going to have to recruit them with the mentality that, like, no, that's not how this is going to go. And I think Wandale's a kid like that. Like, I do. But you're going to need to, you're going to, need to pile up a bunch of dudes with that type of mindset. Um, and they just don't I, – I, I just don't think they, they have enough to, to overcome that right now, that, that feeling of inevitability – and it's even subconscious, maybe, that like they just don't expect it to happen for them, it feels like. It, it feels like that's especially true on defense. Like, going back to your the conversation about, you know, when was the last time Nebraska... Got to stop when they Got to stop, it. close out an opponent, you know. It, I, I think that that attitude or, or that history is where it kind of gets into the woods, so to speak, and kind of rots things. Like, when you're... When you need one person to break through and get a sack, or one person to bat a ball down, or you know get a hand on a ball, or some make some kind of play, some kind of winning play, like I think that's where you see it more. Yeah. More than I mean, you saw it today against Purdue. You saw it last year against Northwestern. Um, you just go on and on Iowa. down the line. Colorado. I mean, just go down the line where it's it, it, it's just like a, a funk sets in. And you just can't get past it. It doesn't even have to be the last drive. It can be a drive like the last drive of the first half 
where I remember thinking um, this was when they backed up Purdue on their own four-yard line. Mm-hmm. It was 10-7, to 7, and there was a third and three on the 11. And I remember thinking in my head, like, of course they're going to get it. Purdue's going to get this first down. Because how many times have you seen Nebraska in the last few years, they'll, they'll get a team pin inside the five, they'll have this third down and four play right about there, and it'll be like an eight-yard play. The drive keeps going. Then there's a 20-yard play. And suddenly this drive is the, where you could have been getting the ball back at the 40-yard line and you go in and score. It turns the complete other way around. And it's those plays that where I just don't feel, think Nebraska's got the mindset that they're going to succeed sometime. Minnesota, Minnesota's one. That, that one where they had them backed up and they basically did a kind of standard – Handoff draw out of the shotgun, and they're off and going. I was going to say, do you remember the play that led to that third and three? Nebraska stuffs them on first down. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like a seven-yard QB run. It was like a botched quarterback run, and somehow he's able to just go up the middle of the field for eight yards. Yeah. He just bumbled into eight yards. (laughs) It's just – I don't know. You should be able – when you back up a team inside their five – I would lo- this would be a complex thing to go through in the off season, like go through the last ten years of when Nebraska's had teams backed up inside their five or ten yard line and what has happened on the three sets of downs right after. But you should succeed like seventy five percent of the time because all the advantages are for you. And I would bet it's at way. least seventy five percent the other way, if not more. It's like getting a runner on third with no less than yeah. one out. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, and and that's winning in, for this team. When we talk about we talk at dinner tonight, we you could see where this team could be seven and two right now, maybe as flawed as they are, by just doing some little things like that, getting off the field on a series like that. Maybe you win this game today. It just that's why it's so frustrating for everybody that is yeah. around it. Well. Uh, the wait continues for Nebraska to win another football game. Uh, now up to four weeks for uh, everybody. It'll be it'll be over five, and then they get Wisconsin. Wisconsin comes to town next week. There'll be no third shift during the bye week, I would imagine. But the regular podcast will continue. No, no hype cast. I'm not getting you hyped <laughs> for the bye week. I'll let PJ Fleck do that uh, with undefeated Minnesota and Penn State playing. On Saturday, uh, I think that does it for us here. Unless Runts, Runts looks like he wants to add something. I don't. I, I was just watching Nebraska volleyball try to close out a uh, set here. What is it? Uh, well, they close it out. That didn't do it. Yeah, they're, sh- they're they're behind. Now they're behind. Yeah, and get in set four here. It's, All right, it's well, everywhere. Hopefully, this won't. Should we have said spoiler alert there because people might have not read the result before they listen to our podcast? Yeah, that's fine. All right, well, this train wreck is over. We'll be back sometime Wednesday, midweek. We'll do a podcast, discuss. Well, I don't know what we'll discuss. We'll come up with some stuff. The wheel will come back. Maybe we'll just do a whole podcast of wheel topics. We could do that. Socks. Maybe socks. Some sock talk. Runs his socks. What are those socks? Those are khaki. (laughs) Those are khaki socks. (laughs) Look at those. I got some gold toe khaki socks on. All right. This has gone too long. We'll catch you later.